0: like this that I wish that we were on a YouTube channel (laughs) (laughs) okay so shall we start shall we begin let's begin my sister-in-law who we're gonna give a nice little shout out because she gave us the sweetest gift the sweetest gift well she gave me it but you by proxy But I'm you are getting to also be a part of the gift getting yeah. um even though it's not for me but it is <laughs> for you because uh she got us upgraded mic and sound system Woo! moving so up that, in the world yes she believes in us thank you for your love and support her of name, samantha and me by proxy <laughs> her name is amber so thanks, Amber. Yeah. Okay, welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Ginger, The Gay, and, and the, gruesome. the Gruesome. Welcome back, folks. It's been a week, I feel like. It has been a week. And very happy Wednesdays are my Fridays. They are not Sam's Fridays. They are not my Fridays. They nope, are her I... Wednesdays. So I still have two whole days of work. Yeah, but they're my Fridays. So I am (laughs) like, it has been a week and I'm excited to be here. I don't feel like I did anything this week that was exhausting. I just feel exhausted. I don't know if it's the weather. Is it the weather because of your job? Well, we are, we're busy. Yeah. Samantha does salvage for companies often when it involves bad weather and we've had some bad weather i i do disaster recovery disaster recovery in my mind it's the same thing (laughs) yes i do disaster recovery where you salvage things yeah so see salvage Um, I, yeah, so we've had some bad weather and stuff, especially in DFW. But when I was looking at the storms that we got in yesterday, um, I had scrolled out the radar just to see like what was going on because the storm that we got in Dallas was the end of a hook of what was getting snow up in Colorado, so okay. they were getting snow, and the hook came around, and we were getting these, you know, tornadoes and stuff. Well, so I started scrolling out because weather interests me. I find it very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't go into hair... You'd be a weather girl? I would, I would be a meteorologist. I find it incredibly fascinating. Which is a weather girl. <laughs> yeah, but one of them is on TV and points at things... I would, You don't want to be on TV and I mean, nothing. I'm real awkward in normal day situations. <laughs> I would love to watch it. Yeah, I'm sure a bunch of people would just be like, what is happening with her? Stay tuned for the YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I scrolled out and there are three separate storms. One's in the Atlantic. One was right over the U.S. and one was in the Pacific. And I'll have to show you the photo, but they're all in like a, a hook mm-hmm. um, fashion. And so I was like, fuck, it's happening. This is it. And then, of course, I look outside and it looks like Armageddon. <laughs> this is when we all die. But you know what? I'm not saying I want to freeze to death, but seeing snow while I die is probably the best way to go for me. They say that it's actually a very peaceful way to die. Then I'm good with it. Yeah. Apparently, after a certain amount of cold, you just go numb. You can't feel anything. I feel like you... are just chilling, looking at the snow until you go to sleep. I do... Until you go to sleep. I do know that you start feeling warm, though. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, now you feel like you're in a cozy blanket watching the snow. I don't think that you feel like a cozy blanket. I think as soon as you start feeling warm, you're like, oh, I'm dying. God. (laughs) This is it. Is that you? It's me, Margaret. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so now that we have done eight whole minutes of bullshit, um, shall we? You You have news to share. Oh, I don't have news. Oh. But I have a very funny story. Please share. Which adds to my what a week. Okay. So. Everybody, buckle in. Buckle in for story time. So, this was yesterday morning, and I'm getting ready for work. I come out of the shower, and I'm going to go let my dogs out, because I fed them before I got in the shower. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to go let them out. Yes. I come out of my room, and my Labrador has pooped on the floor. Yes. And so I'm like super pissed off at her. I'm like, Nova. And I just I just said her name. I was just like, Nova? What is this? And she starts getting all like, oh my gosh, I can't (laughs) believe this. And she starts running around. I I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. She starts running around like come over here. Come over here. And she's just running around the house, running around the island and And then she stops and she just starts peeing. And I was like, no, 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 no. And so I start to run over her, over to her. We have like, um, like wood looking floors. So. But it's tile, right? It's like laminate, like luxury vinyl plank or whatever. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're busy it's slippery and so I start running over to her like no 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 no. I'm gonna try and get her to go outside I slip and I fall apparently when she was running all around the house scared she was peeing then too I slipped and fell (laughs) in her pee while she and she's finishing peeing like right in front of me while I'm laying on the floor in a puddle of her pee and I'm just like oh my god <laughs> what is happening right now and I was just, just like sat there for a second and it like kind of hurt and it was disgusting so yeah so then I had to mop half of my house cause she peed in half of my house mm-hmm. and get back in the shower yeah. and take another shower oh, so you're extra clean now yeah, so so that was um, my day yesterday and how it started. So that's fun. That my uh, fun story for the week. That is fun. It reminds me of when I almost peed on myself because I, I got locked into our house and I couldn't let the dogs out. So they almost peed. I almost peed. It was a whole thing. <laughs> Everybody's peeing. Uh, and the freaking door won't open so then the lesbian in me was like you know what Bob the Builder can fix this so can Sam (laughs) and so I took the doorknob apart to try to fix it. Yeah, you did. It's like whenever, if I ever have car trouble, you know, I get out and I, I look under the hood. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> you're just like, maybe it'll just say, hey, Maybe something will just alert. be on fire and I'll <laughs> be like, that's definitely the problem. <laughs> well, there's your problem right there. <laughs> <laughs> Things are on fire. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. But day, you I, wake I like up and you're that on fire? Effort. Yeah, I always do it. you're not just like, well. I guess we're stranded. Yeah, you know. Uh, no, I mean, whirl. we're definitely stranded. But like, I have the concluded college try. Yeah. So uh, I decided I was going to take apart the doorknob, and so when I did, uh, then I I couldn't get it back together. So it was just like a hole, and so I just kind of first I called my wife. I video I Facetimed her, and I was like. I need to know how to fix this. But I wasn't in, like the right mindset to to have somebody tell me how so, to like, do receive instructions. Mm-mm, yeah. And so Do you have a problem with authority? I don't <laughs> I was just the amount of anger that was coursing through my body are you angry at the fact that you've broken the doorknob oh no i didn't give a fuck about that (laughs) i didn't care at all the doorknob deserved it honestly i was angry that it happened (laughs) and i couldn't immediately fix it and so i called cheryl and i was basically like you need to tell me how to fix this and i came in real hot And she was like, well, you just got to do this. And while I know she was being helpful and there's like boxes that she's like, check off, make sure you do this. Check off, make sure, you know, you do this and and make sure that like everything is done before we moved on to the next step. I had already done some of them. And so I was not in the right place to be like. Zero. Understood. Yeah. No patience. And so she she was like, babe, you just need to just calm down. And, but she didn't say calm down. She learned a lesson on that one. Yeah. That was the a, hard way. Yeah, whenever I hulked out on her. Yeah. She told me to calm down the night before your bridal shower. <laughs> that was the night that which Cheryl hosted. Which I hosted. And that was the night that Cheryl almost became part of a true crime. <laughs> But anyway, so I just, like, latched the door on there, and the next morning, my sister-in-law was like, okay, I'm going around, and we're gonna fix it, and we just, like, broke it off, and then everything's fine now. Everything sounds fine. Yeah. And I didn't pee on myself, nor the dogs, so gold stars for all of us. Yay. Okay, so, shall we get it into it? It is time. Let's so dive, deep dive. This week is Christmas week. Yay, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. And happy, a happy New Year. Not yet. Calm down. Oh. Happy Festivus. The holiday for the rest of us. <laughs> it's yes, not me. I That's love Seinfeld. Inclusi- inclusivity. Yes. Yeah. And... Next week is my birthday. Yay, birthday. Yay, birthday. Um, Amber. Which is the birthday weekend extravaganza. Yeah, it's three whole days. Yeah. My sister-in-law, Amber, and I, we have a a calendar for the month that goes on our fridge, and we write down all of our things that we need to get done for the week, right? Mm -hmm. Or for the month. And that way, if we're like... (sighs) what's happening this weekend or what we can schedule our lives out. Right. And she's super awesome and she helps me with the dogs, especially when I have like things like this, she'll be like, she comes home and she, you know, makes sure that they're let out and stuff like that. Sponsors for the pod. Yes. She's super awesome and we were writing like we were doing december and i was like okay december 29th my birthday and yeah. then she was fly, and then i was like december 30th my birthday party december 31st birthday lunch she yes. was like you are this is too much no it's like, not, it's it's too, not much. too much honestly i feel like 3 days is pretty conservative it is pretty conservative i used to do birthday months exactly i don't do that anymore uh, and then it was a birthday week. I feel like I'm being very generous, sharing my birthday time with Jesus. Yeah. And baby you, new year. you your contribution. You're welcome. I do what I can. Because um, I'm a giver. You are. You really are. But anyway, so... It's so Christmas. We, Christmas, which means we have... I don't know what you're going to say. Murder Christmas! Christmas murder! Yes, folks! We have our first themed murder. And although I'm not a fan of murder... I am a fan of Christmas. I am a fan of Christmas, and I am a fan of a good theme. Oh, uh, who doesn't love a good theme? I sure do. So I have... Twelve days of murder, which woo is really just the theme because in actuality it's just 12 different murders that happen between the 24th of December to the 26th. So Boxing Day. The 26th is Boxing Day. But that's three days. Yes. That's not 12 days. No, it's just a theme. Oh, okay. We're just calling it the yeah. 12 Days of murder. murder. Yeah. Okay. Love it. So, now that we're tucked in tight, waiting for Santa, hopefully not getting murdered in our sleep like some of these people. Dreaming of sugar plums. Yes. Okay. So, what we're going to do. Now, there is a couple of stories I am going to kind of... I'm We're going to do full episodes on. Um, some of them... We may not, but these are just like a general overview of 12 different murders that happened during this time. Should we both get refills? Yeah, refill we time. Both do this is why it gets so freaking hot while we're doing this. Uh, should we do a wine of choice? I like that. Tonight, Stella Rosa, Stella Peach, a semi-sweet. Cheers. I don't know if it's good or not. (laughs) I was waiting for you to finish. Yeah, you're right. That was way better. (laughs) I feel like I can can almost taste the sarcasm. (laughs) And we're back. So, 12 different murders. One. 2004, Christmas Eve. You show up to a party. You and 24 other friends, family, it's get-together, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone's having a good time. Little do you know, one of the guests here has been having issues with their ex-husband. And they don't realize it's going to literally blow up in a very dangerous way. So, like I said, Christmas Eve 2004... In the city of Covina, L.A., at around 11.30 p.m., there was a knock at the door. An eight-year-old answered the door. She saw someone walking up. She ran to the door. Do you want to know, take a guess why she decided to open the door? They were dressed like Santa. They were dressed like Santa. Boom. Can you imagine, just for a moment as an 8-year-old. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Awesome. Super awesome. So, Santa comes walking up, knocks on the door. This 8-year-old opens the door, except for it wasn't Saint Nick. It was the ex-husband of one of mm. the, party-goers. the partygoers. Yeah. His name was Bruce Jeffrey Pardo. He was an unstable and violent ex-husband of again one of the ladies at the party. Mhm. Do we know like in what way he's like unstable? Like he's just pissed uh, or he's like having a nervous break? Oh, he's just piss and a wackadoodle. Okay. When she opens the door, not only is he holding a 9 millimeter pistol in one hand, but a flamethrower in the other. A flamethrower. A flamethrower. Flame Next level. Yeah. He also had three other handguns in his possession. He went through and, like, walked past the little girl immediately started shooting. Oh, no. He killed nine people (gasps) and badly injured three more. The little girl was not killed. Woo! She was injured, though. It sounded like... From what I read about it, it was basically like, he just sprayed, like anybody he came across, he just shot. Wow. Is he like rampaging through the house or are they all like in one room and So like- I'm pretty sure he came from the front door through like, it sounded like there was a hallway that led to mm-hmm. the kitchen. Okay. And so there's like a living room on one side and then he Got just kind of, you know. So he wasn't like going upstairs and looking for people. He was oh just like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A Christmas massacre. Yep. Yeah. Is the ex in one of the people that he killed? We, this is one of the stories we're gonna get a little bit more mm. in depth about. To be continued. Yes. So, after he shot as many people as he could he set the house on fire. Oh wow. The flamethrower was not there for a fashionable asset. It was there. Wow. yeah. So he planned to detonate a series of handmade explosions. Wow. Yes, and then make his escape to Canada. which that honestly, is so Canada, in depth So in depth. I mean like wolverine out, you know, yeah, off the grid, man. Canadians are nice people. They're, like, real nice. Super nice. They don't want you and your unstable they ass. You will not fit in. They will know immediately. You do not belong here. Um, so he that was his plan to escape in, in such a way. Um, but because he lit shit on fire and he was wearing a cheap Santa suit, it melted to his body. <laughs> Which, you know what? Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Karma. Yeah, it caused third-degree burns. Yeah, it did. So um, instead, he uh, he shot himself in the head. <gasps> what a plan change. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to escape to Canada or... End it right here. Yeah. Yeah. That the... must have been a gnarly Santa suit burn. Yeah. I... That seems awful. Yeah. I was a barista for a bit. And, uh, I had soy milk, like I was holding the uh, pitcher Mm -hmm. as I was steaming it Mm -hmm. and I wasn't paying attention, like, and I was saying something to a coworker. And the soy milk spilt over onto my hand, and Ooh. like all down here, I had a nice scar. And when my hands start getting dry, it like the scar pops up, oh, like you can yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. And that was just soy milk. Like <laughs> that wasn't yeah, She polyester a suit and a flamethrower. Yeah. So yeah. serves him right. He's dead. Yeah. Numero dos. Numero dos. Uh, so Lee Shelton was a known criminal and pimp who went by the name Staggerly. Staggerly. Yes. So this one's short. Short, sweet, and to the point. Yes. So, okay. Lee yes. Shelton. So he was a known criminal and pimp with the nickname of Stagger Lee. Par- Wait, like Stagger space Lee? Yes. Apparently there is a folk song written... That he inspired. Oh. Yes. Shelton wasn't a man to be trifled with, and unfortunately, William Billy Lyons would find out the hard way. Okay. The murder took place on Christmas night in 1895 in St. Louis, Missouri. Stagger and Billy were drinking and playing cards together at the Bill Curtis Saloon, which, wouldn't you know it, they got into a dispute. So a fight happened. Well, lion's snatched staggered Stetson hat, and we we know a cowboy Woo! that that is no no we'll joke. Stetson. And um, well, Stagger Lee drew his gun, shot lions dead, and that's that. That's like cowboy. Yeah, I mean it's 1895. That's prime. Um, yeah, <laughs> prime cowboy time. Prime cowboy time. Number three. Number three. So this one is... This one is going to be one that we cover because there's just so much to unpack here. This might be like a two-part episode. just okay. Just dealing with this one story. Oh, dear. It's the Sauter's children's disappearance. In Fayetteville, West Virginia, the Sodder family, there was uh, nine children... They had nine children. Wow. Can nine children? <laughs> the resources, I mean, I'm sorry. No, they had 10 children. 10 children. Um, so the night of Christmas Eve, um, their mother, Jeannie, she woke up three different, three separate times for mm-hmm. different things. The first time was at about 1230 a.m. She was woken by a call um, during which she could hear man's voice as well as glass, glasses like clinking in the background. And then, but that was it. Uh-huh. Phone, like, call ended. She went back to bed. At a certain point, she heard a loud bang and rolling noise on the roof like something is happening on the roof because I am who I am you'd be like Santa no I would be like who is on our roof (laughs) we need to call someone Cheryl get out there call the exterminator figure it out this is not we will not be no mm -mm. but she does back off okay which is real bold (laughs) real bold (laughs) real bold. I mean, she has ten kids. Technically, only nine, one of them. Yeah. So, she has ten. They have ten kids. One of them is away in the military. So, only ten are at the house. Nine are at the house. Yes. Yes. Only nine are at the house. Um, So, she dozes off again, and then she's awoken once again for the third time with the house engulfed in smoke. Oh, no. (laughs) So, I don't know... Who set up this town? <laughs> but I mean, it's 1945, right? Christmas Eve, 1945. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Christmas Eve, 1945. So when they woke, when the town realized something was going on, it was Christmas morning, 1945. So George and Jeannie Sauter, They, she was Jeannie was able to get out of the house and for the other kids. Four kids got out. There were still five kids in the house. Oh my goodness. So she was able to run to a neighbor's house and call 911. She never got a response. Nobody answered. Nobody answered 911? Yeah. Nobody answered. The the fire people. The 40s, man. The 40s of it all. So nobody answered uh, for like fire or anything. So then another neighbor is like, it's fine. I know the chief. I will go get him. And. Oh my gosh, the hoops that have to be jumped through for some response. Well, the chief was like, he was celebrating Christmas. Oh, okay. Like we're celebrating. Yeah. I mean, I always celebrate Christmas, he was celebrating it with alcohol. He was a little boozed, and it's so Christmas. It's Christmas. the The children who escaped were the toddler uh, Sylvia, teenagers Marion and George Junior, and as as well as a twenty three year old John. They were, were able to escape. Also, George Senior and Jeannie. Um, so, Fire Chief FJ Morris finally shows up. Then, like by this point, the house is down to the ground. Okay. Um, it took forty-five minutes for the house to burn to the ground. Wow. Yeah. That is like, I mean, I don't have any frame of reference, but I feel like that's pretty quick. Yeah. So, whenever he did his investigation, and I'm I'm using air quotes because laziest f- person, he it's faulty wiring. That's that was the cause of it. Like, that's it. And the kids were like, well, we've never had any issues before with any kind of anything like that. Yeah, no sparking. No nothing. Yeah. No, like, things flickering. Nothing, yeah. you know. and it, But that's fine. That's what it is. They. The other five children that were in the house, no bodies were ever discovered of theirs. What? Yeah. So... These kids who did not escape, they have no idea what happened to them. What? So you have Maurice, who is 14, Martha, 12, Louis, 9, Jeannie, 8, and Betty, 5. Those five kids were never seen again. And originally, or not originally, in in the report... It, you know, the police chief had said that the remains were just cremated. Like, the reason we can't find anything is because they were cremated in with the fire. But then Jeannie, their their family has never given up looking for these kids. They don't believe they were in the house. They believe something happened. They were not there. And, and they were taken. They were something. taken. And then the fire was, co- you know, to basically A cover it. A distraction. That. Yeah. Yeah. So she talked to um a more a crematorium the yeah. person who does that. And they said that even bodies that burn at two thousand degrees for two hours, there's still something something you could there. Find. Yeah. Yeah. And with the house only going for like forty five minutes. Forty five minutes, there there would be something, you would find something. Yeah, like partial. Partial of anything. So nearly twenty years after the fire in nineteen sixty eight, Jeannie received a photo in the mail of a young man claiming to be Lewis. But attempts to find him were fruitless. Now we're not gonna get into all the different theories. There's a ton of theories and we will unbox them all in the more in depth episode of this. Yeah. But but that is what it is. So George died later the uh, in 1968, and Jeannie built a fence around her home and wore black until she died in 1989. Aww. They died never knowing what happened to their kids. That's so sad. So sad. Number four, Ronald Jean Simmons. Jean <laughs> <Gene> Simmons, um, <laughs> December 28, 1987. Ronald Jean Simmons. Killed so many people. (laughs) So many people. Okay, so I'm going to list off... Four days. It was a spree killing. Six days before Christmas, he annihilated his family. Oh my gosh. And then continued on and killed, like, other people in town, including a receptionist who he fancied but buffed his advances. So he thought, well, I'm married, but you you don't want me. So. okay. so Ronald Gene Simmons was a retired Air Force sergeant over the Christmas holidays in 1987. He methodically executed 14 members of his family. Six. Yeah. Six daughters, three sons, two grandsons, one son in law, one daughter in law and his wife. That's a big family. Also, one of his daughters, who was also his granddaughter. So that means he raped his daughter, who gave birth to a daughter, thus making that not only his granddaughter, but his daughter as well. So two days after, he went into town and killed two other people. And it goes like this. Uh, He killed his son, Gene, and wife Rebecca by shooting them. Then he moved on to three-year-old granddaughter, Barbara, by shooting her... Or, I'm sorry, by strangulation. Wow. Then, after the other kids got home, he told them, I have a gift for you. What was the gift? Death. (laughs) His first eldest daughter... Who was 17, 17-year-old uh, 17 Loretta. She was killed by strangulation, and she while she was being strangled, he held her underwater in a rain barrel. <gasps> mm-hmm. um, he did the same thing to Eddie, Marianne, and Becky. So they all died. Oh, my gosh. So on December 26th, the rest of the family arrived for normal Christmas activities. And he first shot Billy or his son, Billy, and his wife, Renata, Uh, their son, Trey. He strangled and drowned in the same, you know, way. Their daughter, Sheila, and her husband, Dennis, were shot. His child from his daughter, Sylvia, uh, Sylvia Gale, she was strangled. And grandson, Michael, he then took all the bodies and laid them Like, lined them up Uh in the lounge room Uh of his house and just kind of went on about life for a couple of days. Wow. Yeah. On the morning of the 28th of December, uh, he drove into Russellville and at the law office shot dead the receptionist, a young woman named Kathy Kendrick. That's the one that he had a thing for, but... She didn't have a thing for him, so he shot her. Mm -hmm. He then went to the oil company office where he shot a man named J.D. Chaffin. Chaffin? I'm going to go with Chaffin. Mm Mm-hmm. And wounded the owner, Rusty Taylor. And do we know why he did that? Nope. Just... Going on a rampage. Yep. And then drove to a convenience store where he had previously worked, shooting and wounding two more people. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> Man. I'm just looking at the list. It's so many people. Yeah. That he just snuffed out. That's a lot. And to like have your family show up and Phases, Family Annihilators are the dichotomy around them. It's I find Family Annihilators very interesting just because you you helped make. Yeah. These people, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, like um, John List, his whole thing was, well, they weren't great. Lutheran children, and I'm having money problems, and you know, we're not the pristine family I want us to be, so might as well cut and run. Wow, which will be doing a story on him, too. That's crazy. Yeah, he then went to the Wood Motor or Woodline Motor Freight Company where he shot and wounded another woman, thus ending his killing spree. Uh, he went in the office and was talking the, section, the secretaries just chatting and chilling like nothing had happened like oh, he oh wow, yeah, police came, and he just surrendered. He was like, "Here's my gun. This is what I did. Wow, wow, yeah. like he was just grabbing a cup of coffee with a couple of receptionists, okay, um, he was charged with sixteen counts of murder. He was found guilty and sentenced to death he refused to appeal his death sentence which good for him accepting your consequences yes i mean i don't feel like they could kill him enough yeah but whatever um and when he when he did refuse the appeal he said to those who oppose the death penalty in my particular case anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment he said that about himself mm-hmm. wow yep, um, on what a weird concept to like premeditate all of that mm-hmm. immediately surrender and say how awful. yeah, everything that you well- just did was like, After a week of a rampage, (laughs) then he surrendered. Okay, so the killings is over a week, but it's like, you know, usually it's like somebody is a psychopath where they, like, don't know right from wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just like they felt like doing it, so they did it. Yeah. Or it's somebody who has, like, a break. Yeah. But it just seems like he was like, I'm going to do this, and I know it's wrong, but I'm gonna do it anyway, and I totally get that you're gonna have to punish me for it. Yeah, and that is crazy. That's weird. It's it's a really weird. Again, family annihilators are crazy, like interesting in yeah. my opinion, because it's it's like this that they're just like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm just killing my entire family. Mm-hmm. Um, so on June 25th, 1990, he was uh, killed by lethal injection, and that's all about him. That's that. That's that. Uh, like I said, we will be going a lot of these. I want to like deep dive into because. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Okay. Um. So number. F- number five. Yeetis. Jesus. Yeetis. <laughs> Y-E-A-T-E-S. Yeet. 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 Okay. Yeet. Yeats. Yeats. Okay. I can do that. Yates. Joanne Yates. Thank you for the punk. punctual air pronunciation. You're welcome. Save that website. <laughs> We're going to need it. Joanna Yates was a land... Yeats. Damn it. Joanna Yates was a landscape architect who lived with her boyfriend in the downstairs flat of Bristol. I saw a picture of her and she just, she looks like one of those people who just, just lights up a room. Like she's just, she's just a fun person to be around, you know, like they're not overly like, oh, they're a partier or whatever. It's just, she just seemed like, I don't know, like a fun person. So Joanna went, uh, her boyfriend was out of town for work and, um, so because he left for work or because he wasn't there, she decided to go and have a a drink after work with some coworkers and friends. That was on December 17th. Uh, From there, she went home. She bought herself a pizza on the way home and arrived back at her house about 8.30 p.m. on December 17th. Vincent Tabak knocked on her door and entered her house shortly after she got back. Now, they did not know each other. This was the first time that they met. Um, He was living in a neighboring flat for around 18 months with his then-girlfriend. Scandalous. Yeah. So, he was an engineer with a dark, secret obsession with violent porn. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, his motive for killing her is not known to this day. He has not said why he did it. So, he strangled her. They they said that it seemed... I don't know. I don't know how. I'm not a, a CSI person. I don't know how they decide these things or how they determine these things. But they said that they believed she was dead within 20 seconds of him grabbing her throat because he strangled her to death. Wow. Yeah. So, he must have, like... Broken something or I don't know, no, no, collapsed no. her airway or something for He was six that four. Wow. So he was a bigger guy. Yeah. Saw so picture of him. He looks like a dingleberry. <laughs> um. So he strangled her in her flat and then carried her body out to his car. They found her body on Christmas morning. Oh my goodness, where was it? It was, uh, dog walkers found it. Uh, it was near the roadside. She had been left on the roadside near the entrance to a quarry three miles away from her home. They found 43 defensive injuries that she had while fighting for her life. That she received while fighting for wow. her life. Wow. Yeah. So there's a bunch of rigmarole about him. Like, he almost immediately starts trying to pin it on other people and, like, calls from Amsterdam talking about this other neighbor and then immediately went, like, to this other part of the country. It's just... Like, I had nothing to do with this. And that's pretty much when the detective was like, something's not right here. Because this guy who we haven't talked to is just giving all this just information like, I up. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Don't look over here. Um. So the police found traces of DNA left on her body of him when he carried her to the car and then found her DNA in his car. Like, duh, that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Why? Like, if you're going to move a body, why put it right by the road? Because it's not my problem anymore. Dumb. Yep. I mean, again, we don't want them to get away with it, but. October 2000, late October 2011, Tabak was found guilty of the murder of Joanna Yeats. Yeah. Okay. That sounds pretty good to me. The jury didn't. So he had this story about it that he accidentally killed her. Like, I guess he was saying that he was trying to, like, hush her screams and then, like, accidentally killed her. Okay. The second that you need to hush someone's screams, there is you a crossed view. a line. Yeah, like I don't think that's legal either. Like you can't. Well, no, no, no. And what's crazy about this is that people heard her sc- heard a woman scream that came later out later in the trial. People heard her scream, but nobody registered what it was until after they they realized she disappeared, and then people were like. Wait a second. I did hear a woman screaming, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh. So, the the jury was like, you... Bullshit. We call bullshit. Yeah. And he was jailed for life with a minimum term of 20 years. But, in 2015... Tabak pled guilty to possessing more than a hundred indecent images of children and was sentenced to ten months imprisonment to be served con- uh, concurrently with his ex- existing existing life sentence. I'm sorry, he had pictures of children indecent, and got ten months. Yeah, there's a problem. <laughs> What is it? Janitor's an idiot. Maintenance man's an idiot. Maintenance man's an idiot. And so is this judge. I'm I'm curious as I mean he's already serving a life sentence. I wonder if that's with a minimum of 20 years. Yeah. I mean getting him ten months for pictures of kids is not gonna do you any favors in jail but that's true that's very true but i mean so 21 years how old I, I mean we we have just short stories right here so we probably don't know how old he was when he went to jail but i mean like if he goes to jail 41 you know, 41 so he's 62 you still got like you know I 15 20 25 years of life yeah Sounds like maybe it'll happen just like um, Ernesto and as soon as he gets parole just sk- 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 we can hope. <laughs> <laughs> we don't hope for murder, okay No, but you know, like, <gasps> do you deserve it? <laughs> Number six. <sighs> okay, so Christy Bamu. Bamu. B A M U. Bamu. Bamu. That sounds right. Christy Bamu was just 15 when he was tortured and drowned mm. in a bathtub by his own sister, Magali. His sister? M- his sister, Magali, and her boyfriend, Eric Bakubi. Bacu- boyfriend? Yeah. Wow. It was Christmas 2010 when the couple. Killed Christie. On Christmas Day 2010, the couple finally killed him. I say finally because there was a four day torture session. They tortured him for four days before they finally killed him. Oh my goodness. So, this happened in London, and when they found his body, there were more than 130 separate injuries that were counted. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So, the reason why they said that they did it, the excuse they gave, was that they believed Magali's younger brother was a witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, Eric was ordered to serve at least thirty years in prison, while Magali received a minimum of twenty-five years for the unimaginably horrific killing. She killed her little brother. Wow! Four days of torture. That's crazy. Mm, hurts my heart. I'm like sick at my stomach, and I already know this story. It, what does? I mean, like obviously, there's nothing that he could have done. Like. I have a brother. There's nothing my brother could mm-hmm. do to like put me to a point where I'm even gonna physically harm him, you know what I'm saying? Like, what did this kid do that made I don't them think, think that he's a witch? I think sometimes people are just and this might this isn't like politically correct or whatever, but sometimes I think people are just broken. Yeah, and there's like a chemical imbalance, you know, and sometimes I think people are just evil. Yeah. Number seven. So <laughs> this it's not funny. It's not funny because a person died. The reason the person died is real dumb. And I laugh because I'm uncomfortable by it. <laughs> so um 37-year-old Melissa Young brutally killed her next door neighbor, Alan Williams. Alan Williamson, Christmas Day, 2013. Do you want to know what her excuse was? What? Her motive was given as rage due to Williamson's dismissal, re, di, uh, dismissively rejecting her Christmas present. A, a pair of unisex trainers and a copy of the Suns the Sun newspapers slightly raunchy 2014 calendar she didn't like or he didn't like her gift and so she stabbed him she stabbed him 27 <gasps> times oh now my god that was the that's that's rage so just remember that when you're opening my gift X Ex- <laughs> except all the Christmas gifts, people, with gleeful joy. Yeah, do Just like, not. Oh you, my god! You never know when it's life or death. Yeah, you never, you know. never know if your friends slightly unhinged. I mean, like my mom always taught me that it's like rude to not accept a gift from it's someone. Rude, but that is not next to. <laughs> yeah, it's rude. To be ungrateful for a gift because somebody thought of you and gave you something. Although it is absolutely not his fault. We are not placing any blame here, folks, Mm -mm, but I'm mm -mm. just saying. Absolutely not. Accept that gift gleefully, Gleefully. joyously. Yeah, don't complain. Thank you so much. So apparently she had a little bit of a heroin problem. Oh, wow. That (laughs) explains it. She, whenever she started being questioned originally, she was like, this is my reasoning. But then as like more questioning happened in trial, her excuse was that she was possessed during it. And like during an interview, she's talking and then says something and then she like covers her mouth and she's like, I think I've said too much or like it said too much. Cause the demon is talking through her or That's something. That's what she's oh, saying. Oh my gosh. This but I think the is heroin crazy. is a little bit more. I think she's crazy and on heroin. Mm-hmm. So she pleaded guilty to culpable homicide in 2014 and was sentenced to a minimum of 20 years. Since being jailed at the women's prison in Cornton, Val, in Sterling, she has been seriously assaulted. Ha- so after she was imprisoned, she has seriously injured two other inmates. And no, her demon seriously yeah. injured two inmates. I'm other sorry, not inmates. inmates. She seriously assaulted two female prison officers. Number eight. In Victoria, Australia. Australia is the craziest. The murders that come out of Australia are just... I would love to go to Australia. I think it's awesome. I don't know if I could sit on an airplane for 26 hours. That might be a bit of much. But the spiders. The spiders that are the size of cars. I just... That are the size of cars. Have you seen the story of the woman... Who has a giant fucking spider living in her house. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's Doug. We just let him have his face. And he, he... No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And if you're ever wondering why I've never been to Australia... Well, spider season, it looks like it's a blanket of snow. No. Oh, wow. Well, you know, they have, like most of the most deadliest animals yeah. in the world and now apparently a lot of the deadliest people too. Oh, not now. It's it's been happening. Montana. People go up there. <laughs> not Montana, Alaska to do some sketchy shit. We're going to do a, a bunch of murders from people in Alaska. Oh it's wow. Like a murder capital of the US. <laughs> and Detroit's a place. Anyway, shout out to all our Alaska listeners. <laughs> Oh yeah, all of y'all. <laughs> hey, write us in if you're from Alaska. Triple G Podcast at com. Let, yeah. let us know if you got like a story you I want us to have Questions, I would love to
1: yeah. stories.
0: Let's uh bounce some ideas back and forth. Yeah. Okay, so number 8, Victoria, Australia. It's Christmas Day, 2013. But instead of spending the day with loved ones, William Bill Stevenson pays the ultimate price for keeping poor company as his friends. Meth friends. Okay. I don't think he was on friends. I I think. On friends? I don't think he was on meth. I think his friends were just on meth. Okay. But they were definitely meth addicted people. He's not into it. Yeah. Danielle Kerr and Darren Lewis. They killed him on Christmas Day, two thousand thirteen. The meth heads killed the non meth head. Mm-hmm. So they drove him. Their th- their motives are still not very like exact. Their motives are a little methy. <laughs> Sounds about a PlayStation. <laughs> Sounds about a PlayStation. <laughs> they drove Stevenson out to bushland and began beating him in the head with large rocks. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Uh, Kerr stabbed Stevenson to death while cackling about their kill bill plans. They left him in the car, set the car ablaze, and then walked home. They were both arrested, charged, and convicted very, very soon afterwards. And in court, the jury got to see her kind of chuckle about the whole kill bill thing. She thought it was Uh. funny. Yeah. Oh, Oh, no. This is yet another service announcement from the ginger, the gay, and the gruesome. Don't do meth. Don't do meth, people. It never ends well. Number nine. This one's really sad. Uh Uh-oh. Warning. Number nine. Sadness coming in hot. Michelle O'Dold. D-O-W-D. Dodd. Michelle O'Dodd. Yeah. Yeah. She was considered what I call my mom, the super psycho Christmas lady. And this seems like like she really takes into the Christmas season all year round. It's like Ebenezer, Mm -hmm. like I'll keep Christmas in my heart all year round. That's how she was. She was super kind, super generous, caring and had a she was full of a festive spirit. She was a sweet, sweet lady and she had. Adored the holidays. Aww. She was Lady Christmas. Aww. Um, So in early December of 2011, um, she, her cousin, Patty White, was kind of down on her luck. And she decided that she was going to let her come and stay with her, you know, for the holidays so she could get back on her feet. Well, um, Michelle had a, A brother, her twin brother, and he called her his little twin sister and they were super, super close. So Patty White was a family friend. She wasn't a cousin. She was a family friend. And so Michelle um, offered Patty a place to stay. She lived in a a, quote unquote posh gated community Mm -hmm. on Sutton Park Drive in Jacksonville. Part, uh, Patty lived there for a month with Michelle. Uh, Michelle gave her the gate code for a security gate so she could come and go. She please not like you're staying here. You have to do what I say, but like yeah. is, you know, do do you do you? She helped her um, get some extra uh, income some extra money by giving her odd jobs to do around the house and then paying her for it. She even went as far as to let her like she trusted her with her bank cards pin numbers things like that. So like if she needed her to like run and do something she was good with just giving her her like here's my credit card go you know whatever. So early the morning of Friday the 2nd December 2011 Michelle didn't show up for work. Now her and Phil have family business so phil started getting worried so he went by her house and around 9 a.m let himself in she normally had the house very neat and um cleaned and put together and the house was in complete shambles it looked like it had been ransacked by robbers but there was no forced entry So, um, he went into his twin or his sister's lounge. He spotted Christmas tree. Um, he spotted a Christmas tree with gifts piled high underneath it. It wasn't until the third time that he went through the house. So I guess he like went in there, saw the gifts, continued looking, walked past it again. And on the third time he was like, something's not right with that pile. So he goes through and realizes something is amiss with the... Christmas presents and realized that there is a foot sticking out from underneath the presents. Oh, wow. He grabbed the foot and it was cold. Ooh. The face was covered by a cloth towel. It was Michelle. She was dead. Oh, no. Yeah. So a uh, forensic, forensic tests revealed that she had died from asphy- asphyxiation and blunt force trauma. So she was strangled and beaten to death. Wow. Which she, I don't know if I said this, she was 67. Yeah. She's like a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to beat up grandma? It's a monster. Uh, he was quoted as saying, The woman who lived for Christmas and now her broken body had been dumped underneath her precious Christmas tree. Um, they, the police, when the investigation started, they noticed that her debit cards were missing. And so, because originally they thought this was, it looked like a robbery. So they start investigating bank Gregors and they quickly discovered that Michelle's card had been used to, at two different ATMs with $500 being withdrawn each time. Cops had a warrant out for her arrest and, uh, tracked her down the next day, Sunday, December 3rd, 2011 in South Carolina, where she'd been living for the last few months. Um, At the trial in October 2013, in court, she basically admitted that she only moved back to take advantage of Michelle and... Um, that their friendship, quote-unquote, spoiled before the attacks. And so she needed some extra money because she was going back home to South Carolina. A thousand bucks, though? Yeah. Dream big. Yeah. um she killed someone for a thousand dollars? Yep. She later pled guilty in court, second-degree murder, and she was jailed for 45 years. Yeah. 45 years. Mm-hmm. That's more extreme than... A lot of the other, yeah, cases that we've heard tonight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, number ten. Ten. Jean Benet Ramsey. Jean Benet. Jean Benet Ramsey was found murdered Christmas Day slash Boxing Day. So technically, she was found Boxing Day, okay. December twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six. Um, everyone went to bed Christmas Day. Or Christmas night. Once everybody woke up, they realized that she had been kidnapped. Um, Cops were called. And I mean, most people know the bullet points of this. Everyone thought the parents did it. They ended up finding her in the basement. Um, She'd been, like, you're not just strangled, like, they used something, like a pencil or maybe a broken paintbrush grotted she was grotted what does that mean so basically something is tied around your neck to strangle uh-huh and then they take another item for example like a stick a stick or like a broken paintbrush to like twist it because you get more leverage and so you're not just like kind of strangled you're like super strangled and she was so like it was so tight that when they found her they didn't even realize she was strangled it was like embedded in her skin at first but yeah so wow cops swarmed the house they had adv- like the uh, victims advocates were there and everybody was like washing dishes and like the neighbors were over helping and it was just like completely butchered crime scene basically oh, no and so the lead detective or one of the the detectives told john ramsey that he needed to like basically to calm down and go look like from you know look search the house well an officer had been downstairs previous and they came across this room. He didn't go in the room. I don't know why. It's never... We don't know why. John decided to start in the basement, which... Take it for what you will. If somebody was like, hey, search the house, I think 50% of people would start at the bottom. 50% would start at the top. You know, you just kind of... I mean, she was taken from her room, so you would think that you would want to start there. But... Yeah. Anyway, so... He goes down to search with... Uh, a friend, like a neighbor friend. He goes into that room and they find JonBenet's body. Um, and then he brings the body upstairs. The mom falls on top of the body, is crying, saying, my baby, Lazarus, you- bring my baby back, you know, things like that. So it just, we will get into a little bit more about Jean Monnet. There's so many twists and turns about this. There are true. Is crime, this a future episode that yeah. we're going to cover? Okay. Yeah. Um, there are people, true crime buffs, who have studied this for years. We still, to this day, do not know what happened. Like, we don't know who killed her. Wow. There are multiple theories behind it. One theory, and we are not saying that he did it. Absolutely not. One theory is that the brother had something to do with it. One theory was this um, elder man who dressed up as Santa Claus. Um, another theory is the family friend. Like, I mean, there's just so many levels and and branches and stuff to to really weed through. The parents, like, they aren't... They weren't they clear. I mean, I don't want to say they were cleared of it, but they were cleared of it. Yeah. So they're not really looking at them. Yeah. Like I said, she was six years old when she was found murdered. And weird thing, John Ramsey, her father, John Monet's father, he dated uh, the girl who went missing in Aruba. And uh, she, she went missing. They never found her body or anything. And so her mom is, like, a real advocate for missing children. Mm-hmm. And they, him, her and John, they they didn't stay together, but they were together. They dated. It's Natalie Holloway. So her mom, Natalie Holloway, disappeared on her graduation trip in Aruba back in 2005. Her mom has become an advocate for missing and exploited children, mm-hmm. and she and John Ramsey dated for a bit, mm-hmm. which honestly, that is a type of knowledge that only certain people, like, that's a feeling, losing a child, mm-hmm. not knowing what happened to your child, like, there's a very small amount of people who fully understand that, so, yeah. you know, I understand, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Number 11, the downtown posse. This one's kind of fucked up. Uh Uh-oh. So there was a group of four teenage kids, and I say kids because they were children. Um, They called themselves the Downtown Posse. Um, They were Laura Taylor, 16 years old. Demarcus Smith, 17 years old, Heather Matthew, 20 years old, and Marvelous King, 19. Uh, And between Christmas Eve and Boxing Day 1992, the gang went on... I'm not calling them a gang. They're too dumb. The Downtown Posse, because that sounds just stupid enough for it to be them, um, went on a murder spree in Dayton, Ohio, um, and at the end of it, five people were dead and four were seriously injured. Um, So the the gang, the posse's leader was keen. And um, basically, main motive for this whole thing was money. He, robbing people and whatnot. Um, And it started out with him asking his, one of the girls in the group if, like, he wanted to find a trick and then rob that person. So, like, she would pose as a a lady of the night. Okay. Mm -hmm. Their victims were... Wilkerson, 37, who was an accomplice, Donita Galetta, Galette, 18, who was a stranger just using a public telephone on the street. Oh, my goodness. Just a random person. And Sarah Abram, 38, who was a clerk at the um, local convenience store. Um, basically, whenever Keen thought that he couldn't trust um, two acquaintances who, like, basically they knew too much. Um, he silenced them. That was Wendy Cottrell, who was 16, and Marvin Washington, which is 18. Uh, now, Washington was shot by DeMarcus Smith. And then Keene's girlfriend, Laura Taylor, killed the sixth victim, which was Richmond Maddox, 19. Um, all of these, like I said, they spanned from December 24th to December 28th. 6, 1992, and they were, they became known as the Christmas Killings. Oh my goodness, and these are the posse. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Taylor and Smith were, um, they were minors at the time of the killings. And so they were ineligible for the death penalty. But Heather Matthews was indicted on two capital murder charges, but was granted a plea agreement in exchange for her testimony against Keene and Taylor. Smith, Taylor and Matthews are all serving prison sentences in excess of 100 years. Wow. Yeah. This is just a little bit. I mean, like, why don't they just say like life? I guess that's not I guess you have to put a number on it. Well, because, like, I think it's Canada, their life is 20 years. Mm. So it's not just So, like, full they life. want it to be longer. Well, because the difference between, like, our system and Canada's system, Canada's system is there to rehabilitate. Our system is here to not rehabilitate. Like, I mean, we're supposed to be doing that, but... All these people, mm-hmm. I think Basically, that's the question, is there rehabilitation from that? Well, you know... Not to, quote, dare, but, like, peer pressure is a thing, you know? Oh, yeah. And if you're being led around with not a great... Like, I am not the same person who I was when I was 16. I never killed anybody. But, like, I am... I feel like I've changed tremendously. Oh, yeah. And... To say that I should be held responsible... For the things that you did back then. I absolutely should be held responsible, but is it to the point where, like, the the goal of jailing should be to rehabilitate? Now, like, things like yeah. pedophiles and things like that, they don't get yeah. rehabilitated. Sex offenders, they, that's... Yeah, there's a lot of crimes where I'm like, okay, but like yeah, save the jail space for yeah. those. Like. like the girl who was had like weed on her and she ended up getting like 50 years or some shit like that. Yeah. Like, like let's not ruin Unless life. you caught her making crystal meth and injecting people against their will. <laughs> 50 years seems like an awful lot it's for an, pot. Yeah it's an excess. It's an excess. Yeah. And so it's there's that situation and then you have the guy the lacrosse kid who got six months of probation after raping a girl because he was a good kid and it shouldn't have to yeah um even, he has a good future ahead of him so even the person that we talked about earlier who had indecent photos of children mm-hmm. and got 10 months mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't add up yeah for the it- the ick factor yes yeah anyways we digress. <sighs> and thanks for coming to our TED Talk today. <laughs> Judicial system. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read a little excerpt from the newspaper about Keen, Marvelous Keen is his name. Marvelous Keen. Yeah. Um, what a great name. For a real shit person. Yeah. Yeah. Wasted. Wasted. You could have done so much with your life. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous Keen died by lethal injection at 10:36 a.m. Tuesday at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility in Lucasville, one week after the state's last execution. The 36-year-old King and three accomplices went on a three-day murder robbery rampage in Dayton that began. On Christmas Eve, 1992, the victims included an 18-year-old mother gunned down at a payphone, a convenience clerk, and two teenage accomplices whom Keene feared would tell the police about his crimes. Prosecutors say Keene was the trigger man in four of the five deaths in which he was convicted. His three accomplices are serving life sentences. Keene received a special meal... Of his choice about 4 p.m. the day before, consisting of a porterhouse steak cooked medium with A1 steak sauce, a deep or a pound of deep fried jumbo shrimp, fries, onion rings, dinner roll, and strawberry preserves, two plums, a mango, a pound of white seedless grapes, two <laughs> bottles of Pepsi, two bottles of A&W cream soda, and German chocolate cake. Wow. Uh, He was officially executed Tuesday, July 21st, 2009. The official time of his death is 10.36 a.m. And his last words are, I have no words. So how old was he? 36. When he died? When he died. Wow. Yeah. He was 19 when the murders took place. 19. Wow. Yeah. So, bye. Bye. And now on to number 12. Da, 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 da Number 12, the Lawson family murders. Another family annihilator. And also, this might be a two-parter as well. Ooh. This one's a good one. I mean, it's not it's not good, but. It is what it is. So, North Carolina tobacco farmer, Charles Davis Lawson. I don't know why this is so interesting to me. He had his entire family get dressed in their Sunday best, go into town. Now, mind you, this was in 1929, so getting family photos were not just like, we can take one with our camera or go to the, like, let's go to JCPenney's and get our pictures taken. Like, it was a whole ordeal, okay? Okay. Okay. So, he had his wife, Fanny, and their seven kids put on their Sunday best. Not my Sunday best. Their Sunday best. (laughs) Two very different things. (laughs) For um, Christmas Day morning, 1929. They were going to go into town and have professional family photos taken, which was a rare treat for such a poor family. Later that day, after settling back home... Charles would begin methodically beating and shooting his wife along with his six with along with six of his seven children until they were dead. Okay. So before all this happens, um, Lawson sent his eldest son on some ridiculous errand. And so he's he's not at the house. So he comes back in this whole fucking family is murdered. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 16-year-old Arthur. Charles had sent him on a needless errand before the vicious massacre. Massacre. So all went, after all is said and done, they never figured out what the motive was for him to snap. It wasn't like financial. I mean, it could have been, but they they just, they don't know. And why he sent one family member? Now there's speculation about the one eldest son. Could it have been that he still wanted the family to continue? You know, things like that. He what a legacy. Did you know what? I'm not gonna add that. That'll be in a stay tuned for because there is some juicy shit that goes on with this family. Really, like scandal within the family. Scandal. Okay. A little incestuous oh dear yeah so there's a lot of layers to this story yeah it's and a we're just big luggage to unpack we're just scratching the surface here yes we are okay as of december 25th 1929 at, when they died they were his wife fanny at 37 their, and their children: Marie, seventeen; Carrie, twelve; Maybell, seven; James, four; Raymond, two; and Mary Lou, four months wow. old. Oh my goodness! But then later, he shot himself with a shotgun and killed himself later that day. Aren't these super happy, super fun Christmas stories? That's a lot so that. his son. Mm-hmm. Arthur. Survives. Yeah. Because he was off doing other shit. Do we, like, what happened to him after? What became of him? We'll have to find out in mm-hmm. our... Okay. We yeah. We will find out. Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll have to keep wow. listening. Mm-hmm. That was a nice little, well, a very interesting series of murders that all occurred within the... Three days or week of Christmas, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. he will do some crazy shit. Funny that we just talked about how how <laughs> the violent, crime yeah, goes down. Uh, well, not necessarily goes down, but the violent crimes don't go up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're talking. You know, we I just, just gave just you a to- series of twelve crimes that all happened on Christmas. <laughs> I'm sh- I- Y'all might be listening to us on iTunes. So if you're on iTunes, make sure you like us and give us five stars mm-hmm. so we can continue to do this and have a good time with it. And I figured out you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can't on Spotify. Got it. So Okay, so send us all your good vibes. Good reviews. Yeah. Good reviews. Apple Podcasts. Um, and, and then Spotify, Spotify thumbs up on Spotify yeah so to you friends. tell everyone send it to everyone <laughs> both Lauren and I want to be able to be stay at home dog moms yeah exactly <laughs> exactly Um. so you can email your story suggestions things like that to the triple editions yeah You're still looking for that book we're still looking for it's called i realized we never actually said what it was called it's called slipping into madness slipping into madness if the you've got Seth a copy Winder story we will pay you for yeah we didn't get a single email, so no one gets a Starbucks gift card. Nobody gets a Starbucks gift card. Maybe next time, folks. Maybe next time. Maybe next time will oh. be $10. whole Okay, so email us, email us your suggestions at triple G podcast. That's T-R-I-P-L-E-G podcast at hotmail.com. You can visit us on the Instagram at the ginger. Why are you laughing? Because I called it the Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, it is what it is. The ginger, the gay, and the gruesome. It's not at. Oh, goodness. I'm so old. I'm not hip. I don't know how these kids with their computers and such. Social media is confusing. Honest to God, I'm surprised I figured this out. (laughs) You're doing a great job. (laughs) Go me. Find us on Instagram at Triple G Podcast. Yes. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here. Yes. And we'll see you on the next, or the week of my birthday. Okay, bye. Bye.